Hello, hello. Let's do a check. Cheryl Shaw's in. Check. Check. Our vet, Dr. David Tabret's here. Yeah, check. check. And yes. David at reception said he's right to go. So we're right to do the program. Let's Sounds go. fantastic. We are organised. We're talking pet chat. Hello. Welcome. Have you got any questions, concerns, inquiries about your pet? If so, here's the number, 49216216. Cheryl, what will be uh, we be discussing in the next five minutes or so? Well, Sarah, today's International Dog Day, so I thought we'd talk about puppy preschool. Oh, you've got to get it right off the bat. You've got to train them. Yes, absolutely. Like husbands. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. (laughs) It's a joke. (laughs) True, though. Very true. We are talking pet chat, and we want to hear from you, 49216216. Now, David, what will you be looking at today, if time permits? What do you mean, if time permits? I'll tell you. Yeah. This this time of year is very, very interesting. As you said, the weather's warming up and we're seeing all these kind of different, um, well, toxicities uh, coming out. Really? Yes. So I wanted to give a quick update on some of the things we need to be aware of going into late winter, early spring. Okay, very good. We'll be right back, uh, Cheryl, and I know we're talking about puppy preschool and what we need to get in and do the, you know, do the hard work right mm. off the bat. So Absolutely, very important. We'll discuss that next. Welcome. We're talking pet chat and we're going to go to Mystery Caller. I know you're in Maitland. Hello, who have we got here? Oh, hi, it's Anne from Maitland. Hello, Anne. Now, you've got a 13-year-old dog that's barking in the wee hours of the morning. Yeah, every... So, to 3 o'clock, she wakes up every morning and then she won't go back to sleep. So, I light the fire and then... I relight the fire and then she'll go back to sleep, but I have to sort of be with her. Mm. And then I'm awake all the time, so I've been awake since 3 o'clock every day. Oh, that's no good, Anne. <laughs> what sort of breed of dog is your elderly oh, she's one? A bluey. Sorry? A bluey? A bluey. Yeah, yeah. Bluey. okay. The reason that becomes important is that, you know, dogs have different age expectancy so it's like when when does a dog become geriatric or older and um, one of the things that we see with older dogs can develop uh, cognitive decline it's called canine cognitive decline and kind of similar to dementia in people and so one of the characteristics would be disrupted sleep patterns Uh, dogs have these reversed sleep patterns where they're often awake at night and sleep more during the day and if you compare, a lot of people say, well, hang on, old dogs sleep a lot during the day. Yes, but they sleep at night as well. And But when you've got a dog that kind of wakes up, what's happening is that the regulation of sleep involves hormonal uh, control through a gland in the brain called the pineal gland, and that responds to light. Obviously, it's not light at 3 a.m., and so really it sounds like you know something's going wrong there with that regulation of sleep. And this may well be part of this uh, canine cognitive decline. Now, there are some things that you can do, um, and oftentimes the kind of the anxiety that your dog is experiencing uh, because when they're awake they need you with them, that is also part of this problem as well. Um, So you'll see it with, um, you know, their appetite will become variable or they'll just sit and stare into space or wander around aimlessly. And as I said, their sleep patterns are often... Uh, disrupted. But there are actual uh, things, uh, treatments, uh, medications, and even dietary uh, factors that we can manipulate that could actually 
not necessarily reverse it, but probably get things back on a more even keel. Um, so that's something we need to speak with your vet with. They usually would want to look at doing a blood test. We want to make sure that, um, you know, liver function could also cause some of these symptoms if we've got some liver disease. Uh, we want to check that. We want to make sure the kidneys are working well. And so if you go in and see your vet, and they'll probably want to do that blood test, and then I would suggest there's a conversation to be had around uh, some medication that's going to help. They're not sleeping tablets. They're actually designed to improve uh, blood flow through parts of the brain that are probably deteriorating. So it's, as I said, it's not going to completely stop it, but hopefully it'll slow down this process. And um, Okay, so we've had all the blood tests. I've done all that stuff because she's, yep. she's old and wonky. So we know that the kidneys are working. There's nothing wrong there. That's good. So she goes to hydrotherapy. She has acupuncture every week. Uh, she's on a good diet of chicken and veg- vegetables, so it's just start. Uh, we think it's dementia, like you yes. said, or some yes. sort of. We know that, but I just want to be able. I just I need to get some sleep. Yes. Um, so the medications can help and as I said diet can help there's uh, different um, prescription diets that can be useful how they work in an individual is going to be quite variable the other thing you might look at doing to help sleep and we do this with puppies is to give them one of those old style clocks that has a tick tock and that oh, yeah. the rhythm of the of the sound just yeah. provides a bit more calming effect uh, for any, well, for puppies, but also for older dogs. And it, hopefully that would alleviate, um, you know, the need for you to be up and awake from 3 a.m. every morning. So, okay. It's a conversation to have with the vet. Yeah, yeah. Look, and as I said, there's medication, diet, and just a simple thing like a little clock could, could actually help. I don't know if this question's out of line, but is sleeping tablets a possibility for dogs that are struggling to sleep at night or we don't recommend that? Well, most most of them, remembering that dog uh, metabolism of drugs is quite different. Mm. So, uh, for instance, you know, a lot of the drugs that we might use in um, people uh, don't necessarily have the same effect because they have what's called a first-pass effect. So that means that when the drug is in the gut and it's absorbed into the bloodstream, it goes through the liver. And say in people, the liver might remove 10%. And so 90% then gets shared to the brain and whatever. But in a dog, it could be 80% gets removed. Mm, okay. So, so it may not work. It may not work, yeah. yeah. Okay. And and then, you know, there there's also a little bit of a hangover effect Yeah. as well. Yeah. So there are some medications that kind of fall into that sedative effect, but I'm, I'm more intrigued to see what happens if we explore the the other uh, medication that reverses dementia or yeah. slows it down. Yeah, all right, very yeah. good. 49216216 is our number to call if you've got a question uh, or a query about your pet today. Now, Cheryl, we're talking about International Dog Day because yes. it is, uh, and we're looking at puppy preschool. Yes, to everybody that gets a puppy should do puppy preschool, even if you've previously owned a dog before, because there's always something to learn. Now, most breeders let their puppies go to their new owners at about eight, eight weeks of age. Now, at this time, they haven't developed any bad habits, so it's a really great opportunity as soon as you get that puppy to start going to preschool. Okay. Because that way you're going to learn um, how to make sure the puppy does things properly and you don't develop bad habits um, from the beginning. 
So when the puppy comes to you, it's obviously left its siblings, it's left its mum, and it's going to rely on you for everything from the care, the training, and they're going to learn a lot from you in a very short space of time. Um, With puppy preschools, they're going to teach you the aspects of um, general commands, obedience, um, early socialisation, obviously puppy care, about food and nutrition, parasite control. All of these things are really important. They'll help you with uh, making sure your puppy can walk on leash properly and identify any dog that may be going to be a puller so they can make sure that they you know, show you how to, to come over those sort of problems. Um, they'll give you generalised health care. Um, some will even teach basic home grooming as well as some teach swimming so it's just going to depend on going to the right school and you need to do this as soon as you as I said you can get your puppy because you've got that window of opportunity that's really important to um, develop these early stages sorry um That first stage for puppies, that critical um, development stage, is really important. If you get the right advice, you're going to um, go a long way because we want to make sure that the bond between you and your puppy is really strong but also that they're going to learn and you should be considering this a, a really good investment into the life of your puppy. Because what happens if a puppy's not trained properly, after it comes out of puppyhood, the dog often ends up because it's being a little bit over the top or, you know, it's not trained properly, it's jumping on people. That puppy sort of factor goes away and people then go, oh, you know what, this is too hard. Mm. It's no longer cute. It's no longer cute. And, you know, and they can't get on top of it because they've given the dog all of these opportunities to display behaviour that's not necessarily correct. And so the poor dog is either rehomed or, worse still, could be euthanised. Mm. And I think that's really sad. It just takes a few, you know, like about a month of training. I was going to say, is it a four-week program that we depends. should be looking at? So or? some schools are four weeks, some are five, but just depending on okay. the school that you attend. But making sure that the school you do attend has somebody that's, um, you know, sort of a very good trainer because that is most important. You need someone who's really knowledgeable so they can help you with strategies to make sure that your puppy, um, if it is doing something that's wrong or or not good behaviour that they can give you a strategy to put into place to to correct that. The other thing with your puppy school you must make sure that um, that they are using uh, food reward or and, and positive rewards that it's all about really good training it shouldn't be using any harsh mes- methods whatsoever you need to make sure that it's positive reinforcement and behavior modification as well as praise so these things are important so if you're looking at getting a puppy uh you know one of the first things you need to think about is setting aside are they usually an hour or two hours a week again it'll depend on who's doing the training some are an hour a week some are an hour and a half i know that you know sort of it's in- important just to make sure that you're getting good quality that you you make sure that that instructor is you know well versed some puppy schools have more than one instructor which is really good because sometimes you learn more from other people so it just depends on on your circumstances i know during covid it's a little bit harder for people because often they're being limited now with the the numbers Mm. that you can have um certainly once upon a time the whole family was welcome to go and now it's a little bit different if you've got three kids and you know two parents or something it can be quite harsh but you know it really is important we've got to remember, remember that dogs are non-verbal communicators so we have to teach them the words we have to teach them the commands and we want them to be good canine citizens some good advice we're going to go back to the phones in just a minute it's the fortunes now here it comes again on 2NURFM hello welcome it is pet chat if you've just joined us and if you do have a question for our vet dr david tabret 49216216 and welcome janine from abermain now what's happening with your dog well um, I have a 
six-year-old Foxy Cross and I have had her to the vets because her face is sinking in um, sort of above her eye, between her eye and her ear and below her cheekbone and she's lost all tissue in her face. It's sunken. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I've had um, full bloods and full urine done at the vets and they can't find anything within her body that says that there's anything wrong with the rest of her, basically. Kidneys and all of that. Um, Now, what they have recommended is to go to Sydney and have a CT scan, which is going to cost a couple of thousand dollars. Um, Now, the interim... um, Well, (laughs) while I think about that, because that doesn't... Um, um, The interim, they've given me cortisone um, for four weeks of cortisone to try and just stem that, not cure it, but stem whatever is happening. Would you have any opinion or idea on this condition? Now, is it on one side or both sides? It's only on the one side. Okay. So the muscle that sits in that area is called the masseter muscle and... We do see dogs that get masseter atrophy, um, which is basically what you're describing. There's a couple of different causes. Um, Most of the time, we usually would need a biopsy of the muscle um, to diagnose it. And the problem with the biopsy, well, it's not a problem. It's just the tissue sample has to be sent over to the United States. Oh, dear. For testing. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it just means it takes a little bit longer to get the results back. But it's still, you know, relatively quick. Um, and certainly compared to what you've already been through, which all sounds appropriate, you know, the blood mm-hmm. tests and so on. Yeah. Um, so if it's only on one side, then you could have just a, a focal um, condition in that muscle or also the nerve that supplies the muscle. If, yeah. that, if that nerve is interfered with in any way, that will cause the muscle to wither and atrophy and disappear. So um, we sometimes see this in older dogs um, where it's just general decline in muscle mass. But in that case, it's kind of all over and certainly on both sides, you know, we see it. Mm, and she's only six. And she's only six, yeah. There are some hormonal conditions that can cause similar muscle loss. Um, yeah. But again, it would be on both sides, and that can occur in those age groups. But I think it's the fact that it's only on one side is kind of the deciding thing here. Right. Well, she's got a few symptoms. She's been drinking lots and lots of water, like about a litre a day, and she's started since she's had this sneezing every day. Um, The cortisone will make her drink a lot. Oh, she's only just started that. Yeah, she's been okay. drinking a lot for ages before that, while she, while the, we noticed that she was um, losing the muscle. Yeah. There, it's probably worth... Um, I, I know when you said about having a CT and things like that, that could be part of the plan, but I think probably the first thing is speak to your vet again and just see if they have spoken to a medicine specialist, um, right. a, a, sm- a small animal medicine specialist, and then... Normally, because what happens is with referrals, and we do a lot of CTs and so on, and what happens is a patient gets sent to us for a problem and then we decide a CT might be required. But oftentimes they get sent in just for a CT and then we find actually that's not what they need. Um, So 
usually having a talk with a medicine specialist and for yourself to have a consultation with a medicine specialist um, would be the first step because it certainly sounds a little bit complicated. It's not yeah. a, it's not yeah. a common problem that we see. And as I said, you know, muscle biopsies and things are often required. I was going to say, would you recommend a biopsy as well before doing a CT? Uh, it's it's not so much that. I think you just have to take what is the what is the overall picture, and then with someone with that expertise, it's like us. If you go mm. to your doctor and they try a few things and they yeah. go, "Oh, we did the blood test and there wasn't," we think we need to send you to a specialist. Yeah. So okay. you might end up having a CT. That might be the part process of process of elimination, but I actually. Guess. You know, I wouldn't avoid going to see someone because you think, oh, well, we're, we're going to end up with a CT because actually they might be able to diagnose it a lot earlier yeah. without going that far. Okay. Some so. good advice. Good luck with it, Janine. Let us know how you go. That's that's an interesting one. We haven't had one like that on Pet Chat. Uh, welcome to the show, Paul. You're in Hamilton South uh, and you, you've got an idea for us on puppy training. Yes, I have. The first lady with barking the dog, it keeps her up at night. Yes. The best way for the, for that is put get an old clock, get it from a garage show or anything like that. You can wind it up, yeah. put it underneath the pillow, and it, and it sounds like a other heartbeat by other dog. There you go. Okay. okay. And another one you do yep. that is give him a, a good big size bone to chew on that night. Oh, okay. Distraction. Yeah. <laughs> I say, I'm me. I always say old-fashioned me. And I got, I'm a dog with a happy bone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good to hear, Paul. Oh. And if it starts walking around, he's just having a uh, we call a, a, a red dream that he's looking for his lover and that somewhere where, where that heartbeat's coming from. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Oh, goodness me. We're talking pet chat. 49216216 is our number to give us a call on today. We do have a free line for you right now. And having a look at our dog of the week. Now, before I, I announce this week's dog, I just need to mention last week we had River, which was the 10-year-old German Shepherd. And remember, Cheryl, we were quite upset because yes. it was a very sad story. The owner had passed away and um, poor old River basically just got forgotten. Um, so... We want to know. Uh, we wanted to know if someone could adopt River. Well, we had a caller. Uh, he was a lovely gentleman that was very interested. So he was looking at River. So look, if he's Fantastic. listening now, mm. if you went ahead, we would love to hear from you because that gave me a lot of hope when we heard that there is someone for everyone, isn't there? That's right, and it's really nice to take on an older dog because a lot of people, you know, they just go, "No, I'm not going to have long enough." But there's many. You know, happy moments with River. Oh, most definitely. And today's uh, Dog of the Week is Sally. Now, Sally is a five-year-old Kelpie cross. Oh, she's got a gorgeous photo there. <laughs> she looks like a happy girl. Uh, she's got a little coat on. Uh, she's a truly sweet, gentle girl. She'll make a beautiful friend who to whoever adopts her. Uh, she's initially timid and wary of new people. However, once she gets to know you, she'll give you much, much love. She knows her basic commands but will still need patience and obviously continue with her training as well she's eager to please highly motivated by food so it really doesn't take a long to learn she loves a daily walk uh, otherwise she's quite low maintenance energy wise and may suit a small yard as long as she has a safe quiet place to retire uh, so she's currently chilling under a deck <laughs> 
Okay, uh, so look, if you think you can take on Sally, she does sleep inside at night. If you'd like more information, then please head to our website, 2NURFM.com, and click on our Dog of the Week. We're going to go back to the phones now, 49216216. Now, Glenn from Greeter, uh, you've got some advice, is it, on keeping dogs quiet? That's exactly right, yep. Ah, um, I'm scared to ask. <laughs> No, I've been using this method for about 35 years. Um, I, I used to show dogs for a hobby, and I had a collie dog, and he was, when I used to go off to work, um, he was barking his head off, and my neighbours were mm. complaining constantly. Anyway, it looked like I was going to have to um, get rid of the dog. Anyway, I was quite upset at work this day, and there was an elderly gentleman who I worked with who used to train greyhounds. And um, he asked me why I was upset, and I told him all about the problem. And he said, that, that problem's easily fixed. He said, try putting a radio in your kennel and turning the radio on um, and having it on whilst you go to work. Anyway, um, I told the neighbours what I was going to do the next day. Anyway, um, I came home from work the next day, and they said, that's been a complete success. We haven't heard a murmur out of your dog. Wow. Anyway, I've been using that method ever since. Whenever we go away... Yep. Um, we've got two little mini foxies now, and when, whenever we go away, we just play the radio. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. I hope it's um, 2NUR, but I hope it's not putting them to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it is 2NUR because um, that's one of the easiest channels we can get. There you go. <laughs> oh, well, that's a great tip, the, the transistor radio in the bed. Yeah, in, in their, in their um, in the kennel, kennel, and it works, or, or in the house, wherever you keep your dog, and it works very good. Oh, thanks for the advice, Glenn. We appreciate it. Okay, no worries at all. All right, we're going to go to Patricia now in Abermain. Now, your two-year-old dog is uh, eating some undesirable things. <laughs> yes. Um, we live on a property, mm-hmm. um, and he's a bit over two Labrador Golden Retriever Cross, a absolutely beautiful dog, but he's a farm dog um, yep. as opposed to a house dog. Right. Um, yep. He does all sorts of great farm dog things like ride in the back of the ute and chase rabbits and swim in the dam. and But he likes to eat horse poo. Why and wouldn't you? He does it often. <laughs> if you're a farm dog, that's... It sounded like a Tinder profile until we got to the, well, to the horse poo. you know. <laughs> likes long walks. For dogs. Yeah. I guess it's does it, does it give him some problems, Patricia? What's happening? No, he's perfectly healthy, but he likes to eat horse poo. And we just wondered whether that was a problem um, or potentially a problem. Uh, It's really hard to stop him from eating horse poo when he goes. And he brings it home, you know, and puts it on his bed and we'll have a nibble on it. It doesn't matter whether it's fresh or old. And brings it home. He does take away as well as (laughs) die. Oh, my goodness. Well, the first first thing is he's a Labrador cross, which... You know, that's they're gonna they just they just eat crazy stuff. Yeah, <laughs> they just oh. eat him. Actually, there's a note on our screen now. Does he eat the horse food as well? Yes, because that yes. worries me more. Ah, yeah. that worries um, me more because of you know the high grain content and things like yes. that. He'll he'll eat. Uh, we have race horses. Yes, um, and um, he will eat the pellets, and he'll also eat the grain. Yeah. And we're trying, which is really ridiculous because I buy grain food, grain-free dog food 
and feed, but he's getting a share of grain anyway. I don't think you have to bother with the grain-free um, for a dog that's uh, living that life. But no. um, the reason why I say the horse food worries me more is that the grain in the gut can swell up, um, and if they eat, particularly Labradors, they just wolf the food down, and then their stomach can actually stretch and cause distension, and that can be quite painful so I'm just a little bit more concerned about that. The horse poo itself, I'm thinking, well, you know, if they want to do that, they do it. But there's not much you can do about it. Mm-mm. But the food, the horse food is a little bit more troublesome. And, you know, I think the other idea we heard earlier um, was about, you know, making sure they get a good bone to chew on. Maybe that's a thing that will um, cut down on Patricia's Labrador. Just Making well, make, yeah, yeah. Other, have, have other snacks other available. Unfortunately, Labradors are just, and particularly on a farm environment, you can't lock that up. You mm. can't. I mean, you've got to keep the shed closed so that nobody gets in and eats all the food. But um, yeah, I don't know that there's too much you can do about that, all Patricia. Right. Try the bone, art of distraction, see mm. if that may help. Paul, you're in Colette, and your dog is barking at everything that goes past your place. Yeah, she's, um, she's a, um, a Staffordshire Collie with a bit of uh, Kelpie, I think, and she's nearly two years old. But every time someone, because we've got a public path next to our house, and someone walks down there with a dog, she goes absolutely tropper, gets real excited, but she and barks and barks. If the postie comes past, she barks. And one other thing she's doing is um, if someone comes in the driveway, she's very friendly with people. Not a problem with that, but she tends to nip at their heels. Mm. Not too sure what to do about it. So this is uh, fits in nicely with the uh, advice that um, Cheryl gave us earlier, talking about puppy training. And what happens is when we find these little behaviours, and we talk about this in a sec, but it's kind of like we do have to go back and start doing some more effective training. Um, yeah. Because, you know, as Cheryl was saying, behaviours as a puppy and then you think, oh, it's cute. And then later on you go, eh, actually, we don't really want that around. So the nipping at the heels is really the thing that's more concerning and probably needs to be addressed first. Although yeah. it's re- it's going to be a whole a holistic approach, I guess, to the behaviours. Um, there's a couple of things that stand out for me is that all the behaviours you've talked about are absolutely normal for dogs. Okay. okay. It's a normal behaviour to bark at things that are on your boundary of your territory. Normal behaviour to alert the rest of the uh, pack, uh, and that's you guys, that, you know, there could be someone coming, there's a stranger, we don't know who they are, and then when you welcome someone in, we're, oh, okay, everybody's okay, so we're all going to be friendly. But as they come into the yard, um, then your dog kind of reverts into this, let's chase them and make sure they, you know, stay on tr- on the right track by nipping <laughs> at their heels. And, yeah. uh, it's interesting just hearing the breeding, the collie and the kelpie are two of those herding dogs mm. that, that we know work and uh, have an innate, um, you know, personality, I guess, that actually um, brings them to do those behaviours. But uh, as you've rightly pointed out and as Cheryl pointed out earlier those behaviors are going to be a bit bit of a problem when we're living in a house so uh 
training number one, Cheryl? Absolutely. We've got to do some serious training. Yeah, and with the dog, yeah. with the dog like um, David was saying, running up and down the boundary barking at another dog is just letting you know that there's somebody out there. But what you need to do is call that dog back all of the time. Every time it does it, you can't allow it just to happen once. You need to call your dog mm. back and just say, hey, it's okay, settle, come in and do something else. Get the dog away from that behaviour. Distracted away yeah. from it. If it's possible, if you can keep the dog away from that area, it just depends on the layout of your, um, your house and yard. But if you can keep the dog away from that for a period of time, it probably will help as well. Just to, yeah, kind of break she a tends cycle. To like to, um, she likes to know what's going on. Yeah, and this is a problem that she's getting a lot of satisfaction out of chasing the people away, right. chasing the postman away. So she's mm. going, hey, I've done my job, and, you know, comes back in strutting, really happy that the, the intruders have gone away. The other thing that you've got to be concerned about is when people are coming into your yard or into your home, that the dog is going to go around behind them and bite the back of their heels. So if you do have anybody coming in, before you in- encourage the people to come in, pop your dog on a leash so mm-hmm. that you can keep your dog under control so it doesn't have the opportunity to go around behind. Because often this behaviour, and particularly at the age your dog is now, it can develop into just not nipping but actually mm-hmm. becoming quite severe. So we don't want your dog to mm-hmm. bite anybody. Okay. Sometimes they'll, they'll go from the heels up to the bottom, which is really quite soft territory. Yeah, it's, 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 very, <laughs> it, it's, very, it's very rare. She doesn't do it very often. It's only like couple of people she might do it to but mm. um there was someone came into the next door neighbors and she just give her a bit of a nip on the heels but that'd be the first time she's done it like in three or four months and, and that was in your neighbor's property oh well we live in a conjoined property so. oh, okay oh, right okay. Yeah. so you are going to have to manage this by popping your dog on a leash because it's only if if that's happening with where you've got people coming in you need to be really in control of your dog yeah and and i, I have seen this happen is either people with fragile skin, elderly, or if someone takes a fall because they kind of step back, um, well, you're going to be legally responsible, first of all, and we just don't want to see anybody, either you, them, or your dog, um, you know, have a really bad outcome here. So popping them on a leash does a couple of things. One is it means that you can physically control where your dog can go, but the other thing is it re-establishes and says, no, you move when I say you can move. And it, you ask your dog to sit even when someone comes in. And if they sit and give you the attention, not the stranger, not the person coming in, they give you the attention, then you can use food rewards in the first instance to keep their attention. And then that's a really good result because when someone comes in, they'll come straight to you and sit. And that's exactly what you want to happen. Yeah. But Thanks. it'll take a lead and a leash and training to get there. Thanks for your call, Paul. A little bit of work ahead, but it sounds like, you know, some stuff that you can actually yep. work on, which is yep. great. Uh, now, we don't have a lot of time left, but we did have an email come in from Carmel. She's inquiring about Zilpi. Have I pronounced that correctly? It's a relaxant for dogs. Um, she heard it mentioned and she was curious uh, because her dog's quite anxious. I haven't. Maybe it wasn't one that we mentioned. It's not coming no, to your mind off the no. top of your head. Well, what we'll do, uh, Carmel, we'll have a bit more of a look into it. It might be my pronunciation, could be the spelling, and we'll we'll have a look and see whether we can um, recommend something for you because your dog doesn't like driving at the moment. Carries oh. on like a pork chop, quote unquote. <laughs> <laughs> All right, look, that's it for us today for Pet Chat. Uh, thank you to all of our calls. We had lots coming in. Didn't get time to do your topic, David, but I know you won't be disappointed. <laughs> you, you can save that for what? next time. Oh, that's it. I'll yeah. be back. You don't have to do your homework now. 
It's done. I'm all ready for it. Yeah. Next show. It is. All right, that's it for us. We've got Greg coming in after 1 o'clock. Cheryl Shaw, thank you. Dr. David Tabrett, thank Thank you. you. And thank you at home for giving us calls.